Straight Ahead in association with the 606 Club, bringing you the best in jazz every Wednesday evening from 10.
Very good evening, everybody. Welcome to Two Hours of Jazz. It's time that we go straight ahead with the 606 Club of Chelsea. Many thanks indeed to Colin. And don't forget, he's back here on Solar next Wednesday from 8. Enjoy the rest of your week, Colin. So we decided this week to get going with a little bit of Charlie Mingus, that wonderful album of his called Mingus Aham. We've played a few tracks from it in the past. 59 was the year that it was released, and it was the Boogie Stop Shuffle that we just listened to, which featured Horace Parlin on the piano. Special night tonight, back on the interviews we are. And we've got Rachel Sutton in interview around about half past 10, talking about the upcoming gig, which is her album launch down at the club next Wednesday. Carrying on right now, though, with Stan Kenton and his orchestra from the album Standards in Silhouette, and this is Lonely Woman.
Grange by Bill Matthew and written for the band by Benny Carter, a track that I feel really typifies uh, the sound of Kenton. If you talk about uh, Kenton-esque, that is the track that you would go to. Lonely Woman, as I mentioned, from the album called Standards in Silhouette. So, as I said, we've got Rachel Sutton coming along around about 10.30 and uh, we're featuring tracks from her brand new album. The uh, album launches down at the club next Wednesday evening. The album's called A Million Conversations and it's a lovely, lovely album. And we'll be getting into that through the course of the next two hours. First of all, we've got some Joe Henderson and this is Serenity. <laughs> Thank you. 
Joe Henderson on the front line there was uh, Kenny Dorham on the trumpet and over in the rhythm section. That was McCoy Tyner, very heavily featured on the piano. Elvin Jones keeping time on the drums there and Richard Davis was on the bass. So it's time we take our first little trip down to Chelsea, actually. We've got Gillard Atzman, one of our favourites down at the club, the sax man. He's going to be down there with us at the club uh, this coming Saturday, which is the 1st of February. That's right, January's already gone into February already. On this particular track, you're going to hear Yaron Stavi and Chris Higginbottom and Frank Harrison, along with Alan Barnes. It's a track I found on the album called The Lowest Common Denominator and we're going to be listening to the intriguingly named Blip Blop.
Lip Lop from the Sax Men, Gillard Atzman and Alan Barnes. And Gillard is with us down at the club this coming Saturday, as I mentioned. If you go over to 606club.co.uk, you can get all the details there. It gets going with the first set at 9.30. And on stage, along with Gillard, is going to be Ross Stanley on the piano. Yaron Stavi, who we just heard there, is on the bass. And Billy Pod will be on the drums. So I think it's uh, around about time that we get into Buddy's bit for the week. It's a live recording from 1980 from the album The Man from the Planet Jazz. And this is Saturday Nights. Oh, my God. 
Buddy doing what Buddy does best and swinging and driving the band. The album was called Man from the Planet Jazz and we just listened to Saturday Night, so one of those live recordings that really pervades the energy of that band. Even 40 years on, it's amazing. Still the best band, bar none, if you ask me. So it's about time now. We're going to go over to the interview for the week. As I mentioned, we have got Rachel Sutton. She's down at the club with us next week on her album launch of A Million Conversations. We caught up with Rachel and had a little chat about everything that's gone into making of that album. This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. So if you were listening to the show earlier on this evening, you'll have heard me mention that we've got Rachel Sutton with us in the studio this evening, who's got a gig with us down at the club next Wednesday. Rachel, good evening. Hello, David. Lovely to be on your show. Thank you very much. See if you say that in 20 minutes time. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? Keeping well? I'm well, thank you. And how are you? Ever so well. And Christmas and New Year went well for you as a family? Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. And so into the new year we go. And uh, it's going to be a busy start to the year for you, isn't it? Because uh, if we just wind forward a little bit on the 5th of February, which is next Wednesday, you're actually with us down at the club, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty hectic start for me, but a happy one. I was going to say, not many musicians can say that they've got a hectic start because often it's the kind of tumbleweeds time, isn't it, in January for musicians? Yes, it normally is, but um, I'm I'm very lucky with uh, with my album coming out on the on the 17th of January and um, lots of promotional stuff going on and and lots of work around that, which is great for me. Fantastic. So let's just talk a little bit uh, about the the younger Rachel then. And were you born <laughs> into a, a world of music? Um, well, my mother was an antique dealer and my father is a photographer, so not a musical family as such, but my mum had an enormous love of music, um, particularly jazz music. So I was brought up listening to all the great, you know, Ella Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, Fred Astaire, Billie Holiday, Dean Martin. Um, so, so I was very lucky. There's a real infusion around the house. Absolutely, absolutely, and she and she likes sort of slightly more obscure stuff as well. So I was, I was, um, I was brought up with quite an eclectic mix. Yeah. And and did you sort of start to enjoy drama and singing as a young girl at school, or did that come to you a little later? I was very young actually when I started drama classes. I was about, I think, probably about six or seven, mm-hmm. um, and I just took to it completely. And loved it, and it was really all I wanted to do. From a young actually, age, you kind of knew. From a very young, from a very young age, I always knew that I wanted to perform mm-hmm. in some way, um, and I sort of toyed with other ideas of becoming other things. But no, I, I always knew in my heart of hearts, my instinct was always the fact that I was going to be a performer. And early on, was it more uh, leaning towards acting or singing? Were you still finding your voice at that point? Um, I was there still finding my voice. I was leaning more towards the acting mm-hmm. and that's really where my early career took me. And were you uh, a drama student at, at school age? I, well, I, um, I had, I had private drama lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did all my Lambda exams, um, which you can do you know, through through your school or through a teacher. Mm. Um, so I did that. And then that took me on to study uh, drama at university and at, and at drama school. So we know that you were studying at university in Wales and then from Wales you came down to London, I'm assuming, already looking for performance of some sort. Would it have been singing or performance art in its fullest description? 
Um, yeah, so I moved to London when I was, uh, I think I was 21. Yeah, that's Young right. Young girl, and big city kind of syndrome. Yeah, God, huge. I mean, I was brought up in the country, so it was it was crazy times for me, um, mm. but I loved it and obviously started auditioning. and um, In theatre? Really, yes, in yeah. theatre. So um, I wasn't singing so much at that stage, but I was doing quite a lot of Shakespeare and I was touring. Mm -hmm. um, I was Overseas or...? Yeah, yeah, parts of um, Denmark and Germany and uh, also around the UK as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I, um, well, I came back here and um, I had a, a fortuitous event because I'd always absolutely loved singing. Um, and a friend of mine had... Uh, a band who was missing a singer. She'd gone off on holiday at just the wrong moment and um, decided uh, that uh, I would be a good a good fit. Mm -hmm. So I went along that night and from there I I joined uh, another band as a backing vocalist, a sort of funk and soul band. I was just going to ask the style of music because obviously we know you as a jazz singer, but that yeah. wasn't necessarily what you first started out singing. It, it it was always my first love, mm -hmm. I have to say that. And interestingly enough, rock music. Um, and then, yeah, very. And um, but but after after the sort of funk and soul thing, which I didn't really feel um, suited my voice as well. My uh, my my voice sort of lent itself. I felt much more to jazz. I went um, off and 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 experimented more with with jazz repertoire, mm -hmm. um, but my acting really kind of took me away from singing for a number of years. Um, I went off um, touring, as I said. I went to the Edinburgh Fringe. I went to the New York Fringe. Wow! Um, with the same companies. Uh, no, with different companies. And then I came back to the UK and I decided to really go for the singing. It was where my heart was at and, and something I felt that I really had to do. Uh, and now it's it's medicine to me, really. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that I've been able to sing in some fantastic jazz clubs and venues Um not just in the UK, but abroad as well. Mm. And I've sung at the South Bank, which was absolutely mind blowing for me. Oh, just imagine. beautiful experience. Um, and I, and I feel that in, in everything I do now as a singer, I bring my, my love of acting and, um, that idea of inhabiting a song. Uh, I, I bring that, I try to bring that, to my performance. I think it's so important. So that was kind of the pivotal point when you realised you were actually enjoying singing a little bit more to acting at that point. I think it was a sort of equal balance. And then various things happened that took over from that. Mm. Um, I A few years passed and sort of acting work came and went and I went travelling and... Um, I had my heart broken and all these things. <laughs> all the things that got happened in life, yeah. All the things that happened in life. And I I decided that singing really was something that I was meant to be doing more than the acting. So it's almost that, your vehicle of expression. You kind of found at that point in your life you could suddenly be you more through singing. Yeah, that's right. And also I was having... Um, I was having a lot more success actually with with finding singing work and mm -hmm. and enjoying it more and 
I started to find the acting much as I've always loved it and I still do. And at some point I'm, I might go back to it. I started to find it quite wearing and draining. Mm. And the audition process certainly has always sounded quite brutal from what the, I understand of it. The audition process is brutal and there are thousands and thousands of people. I mean, there's probably people listening that laughing, saying, well, there's thousands of singers out there too. And they'd be absolutely right. There are. But somehow when you're singing, um, y- you can... <laughs> If if you're clever enough and and work hard enough and savvy enough, um, you can to a certain extent generate your own work. Now I'm not necessarily saying this is paid work, but mm. you know you can offer your services, you know, in a pub or a restaurant or a hotel, mm. and you can start making a name for yourself and and start sort of working your way up that way. I mean, there might be people that disagree with me on this, but I. That makes complete sense. You can't put a play on by yourself under your name, but you can go and sing. You can't put a play on by yourself. You can't put a television program on by yourself or or Mm. a film, but you can go and sing. And that's really what I mean. And and I was just getting so much more enjoyment and pleasure and reward out of doing that. Now, of course, you've become quite a voracious writer as well. So how far into your career as a singer did you suddenly find that you enjoyed and indeed could? right um well i dabbled with it a number of years ago so probably at the very start of my singing career um and didn't get very far (laughs) (laughs) and then and then the years went on and things happen and you grow up and and you have different experiences and you meet people who inform Mm. your ideas of music and influence your ideas of music and also help your musical knowledge and musical understanding and um, open your ears when you surround yourself with other musicians and you build a musician family, which is really what music Mm. is about. It's about, you know, a family of people coming together and creating beautiful sounds Mm. And um, so I'm, I've been very lucky in that way. And I think that that has um, helped me help me grow with my writing and and given me ideas and thoughts and an expression of my own. Because many, many things about the world of being a musician fascinate mm. me. But when it comes to writing, I've always figured that must be a very emotive thing to do, something you can't just switch on and off. And I think the fact yeah. you said that you'd grown up that little bit with a few more life experiences, surely you must be a, a bonus to the writing, I'd have thought. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, that's really what it's all about, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think there are, I think in the way that there are some songs that you can't sing Mm. until you're older. Mm. You know, sometimes I hear a singer who's sort of 18, 19 and has just come on the scene singing something, you know, which painful love ballad and is is really meant to be sung by somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s Mm. and beyond. Mm. And and although, you know, their their voice may be beautiful and and their interpretation, you know, very nice without meaning to sound patronizing, which I know that I probably am. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I think that there are certain things that are difficult sometimes to do. when you are younger, um, not for everybody though, but for me personally, I think 
this is something that has grown on me, as I've said, and something that I have found later on. There are plenty of of singer-songwriters out there who are absolutely fantastic at 18 or 19, but I wasn't one of them. (laughs) No, you're finding your voice in yourself now. I'm finding it now, yeah. So, of course, the gig down at the Six is all about the album launch. Um, And I know the album has been released on 33 Records, which are a great supporter of jazz in the UK. How did all that come about? Well, I... um... I recorded the album first and then I got in touch with the wonderful Paul Jolly who loved my songs. I've heard so many things, so many great things about Paul. He is such a wonderful gentleman um, and he was so enthusiastic about my music, um, which I love him for. Um, And he really, he does an incredible job. He's a real champion of of jazz um, and singers and artists um, and he, I think he really deserves an award for, for services to jazz or a knighthood or, mm. I don't know, some dancing girls or whatever he prefers. <laughs> but um, What I'm do we really... have to do to get dancing girls? I'm in line for that work. <laughs> Let's not go down that Let's road. not. But anyway, he's a, he's a fantastic gentleman and I'm very grateful uh, to him. And he, he really, he works so hard at what he does and, and he, he deserves a lot of recognition. So you, literally you approached Paul with the finished article, with the finished tracks and said, I would did. you be interested? I did, yes. And um, and he 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 took his time and, and really listened and and got back to me and and, and we, we talked and discussed and, and, and went forward and with it. Th- titles always fascinate me. So why A Million Conversations as the album title? So I wrote a song about my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, I lost my mother in 2016. Mm -hmm. And about a year later, I was thinking about her as I do every Mm -hmm. second of the day. Mm -hmm. And obviously wishing so much that I could talk to her. Mm -hmm. And I still do and always will. And, and I started writing this song, and it literally poured out of me and I wrote it in a very short time and for me a million conversations says everything about what I miss about my mother and I have dedicated this album to her and I feel so strongly about the song that I've written I'm so I'm very proud of it mm. and I'm very, very passionate about it. And I, I just really wanted to call the album A Million Conversations because I think not only um, do I think that, you know, my songs are, songs are like conversations, mm-hmm. aren't they? Mm-hmm. They are. They're like you're, you're conversing with, with the audience or, or somebody that totally. might be listening on the radio or somebody that's, that's, you know, in a crowded room listening to you. Um, you never know who you're resonating with at a given point. Sometimes certain lyrics just stand out and that is absolutely. the beauty of glorious music. Absolutely. You can just touch somebody's soul and, yeah. and that's what you look to achieve on an album. Yeah, absolutely. So I felt that not only uh, was was that song sort of fundamental to me, 
um, and is fundamental to me. But I felt that it was a great name for mm. an album as well. Yeah, particularly to say you've dedicated the album to it. It's a very fitting way to have yes. the album come together and almost centred around that track. I mean, I think it's almost placed a halfway through the album, which I'm guessing is no mistake either. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, um, I, I toyed with the idea of, of, of putting it um, at the beginning, at the end, um, and I, I decided that it should it should rest there. We'll be listening to that a little bit later on in the show, I promise you. So the album launch is at the six, and was that yeah. your first and natural choice? Do you and Steve go back some way? Yes, I've been playing at the 606 for a few years now, and um, Steve is a great supporter of mine, um, wonderful man, um, fantastic services to jazz. Mm. I mean, really incredible i think um, uh, people don't realize what it must take on a gig oh, seven my, days a week twice oh on my, a sunday every week of the me. year that man he works so hard and everyone i know really really admires him including me and it was absolutely my natural first choice the thing uh, that always sorry i didn't mean to interrupt Rachel, but the thing no, always comes fine. across is that it seems to be a musician's club musicians seem to like going there it it really is and it feels like family mm. singing there and it's a fabulous club it's it's a great venue with a great atmosphere um and he steve really champions people you know he's a huge supporter of musicians mm. and and i think we should all be very grateful to him for that you're really not, not alone in that thought every every musician i've spoken with without an exception has always said exactly the same. Whenever you turn to Steve, mm. if there's something you really need, he'll be there. Yeah, he's 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 a great person. And as I've been mentioning, the album launches down at the six uh, next Wednesday evening, the fifth of February, and there'll be plenty of albums there that you can buy, and I dare say be signed as well. Oh, absolutely! And if you're not able <laughs> to get, you, you've got a better nighttime voice than me. You're after my job, I think. <laughs> and if you're not able to get down to the gig, of course, pop over to Rachel's website, which is rachelsuttonmusic.com, and you can buy yourself a copy there. Rachel, as ever, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I will definitely get down and see you very, very soon. Thanks. Take thank care. you. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. you back even for a moment Don't want my heart to melt even for a moment Don't want to cry for you, tell no more lies for you, get in a fight for you, not gonna die for you, I'm gonna hide from you and pick myself up Gonna make my move, gonna get working I'm gonna hit you hard right where it's hurting You're gonna fight for me, you're gonna crap for me Let on a die for me, double pop for me Sit on the side for me and get all screwed up When I go to a party I flash my big blue eyes I laugh, love and hearty I dance with all the guys And you'll be watching so sad And I'll only are a big soul one and hurting
that we're featuring on the album A Million Conversations this week. Of course, the album launch, as you just heard, is with us down at 6 next Wednesday, the 5th of February. And we, of course, were just chatting with Rachel. And the track we just listened to was Pick Myself Up. I've got another couple of tracks from the album to come through the course of the show. And also we'll be playing that title track, the track all about her mother and uh, the way Rachel thinks and misses her mother every day, A Million Conversations. That's coming up just towards the end of the show. But right now, we're going to carry on with some more live jazz. Back at Newport, those festivals really did sound quite something didn't they and uh, this is Ella Fitzgerald live at Newport with airmail special Who's on the mountain? You blow through here. The music goes round and round. We meet and the angels sing. The angels sing the sweetest song I ever heard. 
Just playing with a band like she always does. And those Newport gigs really just sound the best, don't they? If I could have my life all over again, I would take myself back to 1957 and go to one of those live gigs to have seen Ella in her pomp at Newport. That would have been something. With her on stage on that particular occasion was Don Abney on the piano, Wendell Marshall was on the bass, and Philly Joe Jones on the drums. And just going back to Rachel, I um, saw Rachel last perform just before Christmas down at the club, actually, uh, a Sunday lunchtime. And she is such a performer. She really lights up the room. You know those kind of singers that are on the stage, you just can't take your eyes off them. Rachel is definitely one of those and she brings a real energy and an entertainment factor. So if you're going next week, I just know you're going to have a great time. We've got a couple more tracks from the album Million Conversations coming up a little later on in the show. Straight ahead time now though, Dizzy Reese and a variation on Monk. Thank you. 
Foundation on Monk with Dizzy Reese there, and there was Paul Chambers on the bass and Art Taylor was on the drums. And by the way, if you like your gig guides in the good old-fashioned copy in your hand, we still print a copy each and every month. And if you get in touch with the club and get yourself on the mailing list, they'll pop one out in the post you. And it's just come out this week, actually. I was just having a little look at it while the interview is on. Some great acts coming your way through the course of February. So as we turn the corner into hour number two this week, why don't we start off with something from Jackie McLean? Listen online on DAB and on smart speakers straight ahead with London's leading music venue the 606 Club Thank you. 
a bit of Jackie McLean getting us going into the second and final hour on Straight Ahead this week. Thank you for joining me this Wednesday evening. I hope you're enjoying the music that you're hearing. And we've got loads more great stuff still to come. And don't forget a couple more tracks from the featured album this week, which comes from Rachel Sutton and A Million Conversations. This coming Sunday uh, evening from 8.30, we've got the lovely, lovely Anita Wardell with us down at the club. Joining on the stage this coming Sunday evening is going to be Robin Asplund on the piano, Jeremy Brown on the bass and Steve Brown on the drums. It's going to be a great gig. So if you're around anywhere near London on Sunday evening, I suggest you try and get down there. If you pop over to the website, 606club.co.uk, you can get your tickets organised there. And don't forget, great food as well. Let's hear from Anita now. And this is a great version of Moaning. Every morning find me moaning. Cause of all the trouble I see Life's a losing gamble to me Cares and woes I got me moaning Every evening find me moaning I'm alone and crying the blues I'm so tired of paying these dues Everybody knows I'm moaning Lord, I spend plenty of days and nights Alone with my grave And I pray, really and truly pray Somebody will come, bring me relief Every morning find me moaning Cause of all the trouble I see Life's a losing gamble to me Cares and woes have got me moaning Always with 
every morning find me moaning Cause of all the trouble I see Life's a losing gamble to me Cause I'm was I got me moaning Every evening find me moaning I'm alone and crying the blues I'm so tired of paying these dues Everybody knows I'm moaning Lord, I spend plenty of days and nights alone with my grief And I pray, really and truly pray Somebody will come and bring me relief Every morning find me moaning Cause of all the trouble I see Life's a losing gamble to me Cause I'm was I got me moaning Lord, I spend plenty of days and nights alone with my grief And I pray, really and truly pray, I find some relief Yes, I pray, really and truly pray, I find some relief version of Moaning that was Anita Wardell you'll find that on an album of hers going back to 2006 and the personnel on that particular album was Steve Brown who I just mentioned a moment ago and Alex Garnett and Alex is actually with us down at the club during the course of February you get the details over on the website and uh, Anita is with us this coming Sunday evening all gets going from 8.30 two sets as normal so back to our featured album of the week which is Rachel Sutton's A Million Conversations and don't forget as we mentioned on the interview if you go to rachelsuttonmusic.com you can pick the album up then it's always great to go and visit their websites and if possible buy the music through the websites that way they get the money directly and these albums are not cheap to make let me tell you that so we've got another track coming up from it now and it's a, a little insight into just the playful tones that uh, rachel brings to the stage and this is evil girl blues <laughs> Thank you. 
for breakfast, champagne every night. I want a man I stand for, hairy man that I invite. I'm an evil girl, and don't you mess around with me, no, no, no. That's good. You should see her live. And don't forget, you can do just that. Go down and get an album for yourself. Get it signed. A Million Conversations. The album launches at the club next Wednesday evening. We've got that title track coming before the end of the show. So often the sideman, uh, we're talking here about Pennsylvanian-born Paul Chambers, the bass man, obviously also released quite a number of his own solo projects. And we're going back to 1957 now to listen to a track from the album Bass on Top. This is Chasing the Bird with Kenny Burrell on the guitar.
606 gift vouchers, a unique present for those who love the good things in life.
for some reason so underrated as an artist. You never hear much of Abby Lincoln being played, but she's a lady that really makes you feel the song, wouldn't you agree? 59 we went back to there, Abby is Blue. <laughs> Won't surprise you to know, was the title of that album, and Let Up, and it had Stanley, uh, Stanley Tarantine on the track along with Cedar Walton, and Bobby Bowser was on the bass. This coming Tuesday, we've got a wonderful pianist with us down at the club. Uh, David Gordon and his trio are going to be down there, making up the trio on the night. It's going to be Ollie Hayhurst on the bass and Paul Cavasuti on the drums. And in fact, Paul is on the drums on this particular track that I found on an album of David's going back, uh, well, quite a few years now, to 2005. It was an, the Angel Feet album, and it's a beautiful track. Good morning, heartache. <laughs> Thank you. 
Francis to be a really, really wonderful gig. That's the uh, David Gordon trio, who I mentioned, are with us down at the club next Tuesday. And we just listened to a great version of Good Morning Heartache. Just beautiful, wasn't it? So during the interview, we heard Rachel Sutton talking about the title track from the album Million Conversations and how it was written and inspired by the fact that uh, it was the conversations that she still to this day wishes she could have with her mum. And that's the track we got next on Straight Ahead. Since you left me With a photograph I put upon my wall A million conversations Since you left this world And every single one upon my own So won't you join upon my wall A million 
since you left this world and every single one upon my home so won't you join me as we go back through the years as we go back through the years to a housing time we'd sit and hold one the term envy as it's a fairly hollow and vacuous expression but uh, I really envy musicians if you've lost somebody and then you can sit down and write a song like that and get your emotions and feelings out how beautiful is that a million conversations the title track from the album from Rachel Sutton next Sonny Stitt and Lazy Bones
week's show we come that was sunny stit as i mentioned lazy bones with mel lewis on the drums and lou levy was on the piano many thanks indeed for your company over the last couple of hours many thanks indeed also to rachel's son don't forget go down get yourself a signed copy of the album at the club at the album launch this uh, a week today next wednesday and i'll be back with you at the same time 10 o'clock for more straight ahead uh, next wednesday evening i hope you can join me then and seeing us out of the show this week is something from milt jackson and what's new (laughs) 